I'm Allie. And I'm Tasha. And this is Dare to Ignite. Embrace your wild. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Dare to Ignite podcast. We're so happy that you guys are listening today. We just wanted to make sure that we did the part two that we promised about Untamed. Um, We Mm -hmm. have enjoyed reading this book. It's been so fun to revisit and just you know, to get all of those like ideas and just the words and the feelings and, you know, the reflection that comes from reading this, just like getting that percolating in our mind. Um, So we just wanted to, what we're going to do today is actually Tasha and I have both selected three of our favorite chapters in that, um, the last portion of the book, the free portion of the book. So these are, again, just like little stories about, you know, like how she used what she learned from, you know, the cages portion and what she learned from the keys that she um, acquired in order to like really put into practice this freedom in her life. So yeah, me and Tasha are going to take turns. Um, We're just going to share a few um, portions and quotes, and then we'll just kind of discuss it as we go. So yeah. Yeah. I, think, yeah, I think this one will be a little bit more brief, mm-hmm. um, but, and it's cool. This portion of the book, it's, it's, you know, it's not that she all of a sudden just knew everything, <laughs> you know, from that yeah. kind of caged portion when she had that, those kind of awakenings. I really like the stories because you see her still having these realizations and these wake up calls as she goes through her life. And I just think that's important to remember, you know, you can have kind of an awakening for yourself, but you're always learning and you're always having things stand out to you. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's really great. Yeah. And I think too, with what you're saying is just like, you can have this awakening, you can learn these tools, but it is a lifelong pursuit Mm -hmm. of really refining this and like finding like that center of who you are and like keeping Mm -hmm. that consistent so yeah it's definitely a lifelong thing for everybody yes exactly okay well I guess I can start so the first one I picked yeah so this is the free portion of the book which is the rest of the book Mm -hmm. um so this one is the chapter is called the ache and I believe it's either the first or second chapter in this section and so Earlier in the book, she talks about her eating disorder, her binge, her bulimia. And so this chapter starts out with her uh, seeing a therapist because, you know, she had this eating disorder and her mom wanted her to see her therapist. And she would go into therapy and her her therapist would say, how are you today, Glennon? And she would say, I'm good. How are you? And her therapist would just sit there for a minute and be like, remember that that's not why we're here you know we're here to talk about you um and and she says you know I'm fine and she's like well well she says I try so hard to be fine I'm trying so hard to be fine all the time she says well maybe don't maybe don't try to be fine you know maybe that's the problem and her therapist says, stop trying so hard to be fine and just live. Uh, she says, basically, she's half dead because she's trying so hard to be fine. Like, she's not just letting herself live and experience the feelings that, and that that's actually what makes you alive. 
And so at that point, she talks about the feeling of the ache. And basically, when she was a young kid, when she'd start to feel close to something like her cat, she'd start to have these feelings of loving her pet, but then she'd back off because in her mind, things would pop up like the cat's just going to die. And then you're going to be so sad, you know, and or she'd get close to a friend or a partner or her mom. She says a memory of her mom was tucking her into bed at night and you know, there's the smell of her mom's like lotion. And, and then she would have these thoughts come into her head. Like, well, someday she's going to die. That was a main one. Yeah. Like, this will all go away. Um, And so she says she finally got to this point where she decided that she's not going to be half dead anymore. And that she's going to allow herself to feel so that she can actually experience life. And so it fast forward, it fast forwards 10 years. And she has a thriving career. She's married. She has her three kids. Like her life is going, you know, well. And she uh, gets a call from her sister who's in labor um, on the East Coast somewhere. And so she says, hey, like it's it's time. I'm having my baby. You know, can you fly out? And so she's all excited. And she tells her sister, I'm going to, yes, I'm going to come. And then several minutes later, her mom calls her and says, hey, Glennon, um, your grandma Alice is is it's time to say goodbye she's you know she's dying and um I can't remember what state in Ohio or something like that anyway and so she she her mom she doesn't say anything for a second and her mom says like are you there are you okay and she says no I'm not okay but I'm coming I love you I'll see you soon you know and it was that moment of instead of saying yeah I'm fine Mm-hmm. trying to be fine and doing all these things she just said no I'm not but I'm coming so anyway she flies out and her grandma's in an assisted living center and she has this really beautiful moment where she talks about starting to uh, these feelings start to come up and she's feeling upset and her her reaction her natural reaction is to kind of push it away but instead she just surrenders to it and lets herself feel and it's this really beautiful um experience with her grandma and with her mom there and um anyway she ends up you know she leaves uh, to go see her sister and she flies and goes and sees her sister and her she's holding her new baby and she says go on in meet Alice and so she named her her grandma's name so it's this like amazing story about death and but then also birth and this really cool Alice to Alice kind of thing and um another thing she talks about the ache is she felt as though she was feeling this connection with all of humanity when she allowed herself to feel that feeling because she realized that this is something that everyone feels everyone experiences loss everyone experiences heartbreak or disappointment and all those feelings that's what makes us all human and that's part of life and it's part of what allows us to feel the other good things anyway I love that story and yeah what do you what are your thoughts on that yeah I love that um just I think it's so interesting how she talks about like the intrusive thoughts that she experienced like throughout all of her life um, of just like I think so many people do fear like attaching to something or 
really just giving all the love they can because they're afraid they're going to lose it. And I just think that like that is just like the most human thing. Like it's just Mm -hmm. the circle of life. Like nothing lasts forever. All we have is now. And so we have to give, we have to love, we have to just like, you know, go all in and like, you know, know that like, that's what we're here for. Like, those are the experiences that we're here for and like losing it. And, you know, we talked about this in the first one of just like the grief that comes when you lose something is only the evidence that you loved it so much. Yes. And so, yeah, I just think that, oh, that ache is awful and we all live with it. Mm -hmm. But I think that if you ask anybody who actually just did give it all and love as deeply and as hard as they could, they wouldn't trade the ache, like they wouldn't trade not having the ache for not having those experiences you know so right yeah yeah I think I think anyone you ask I I completely agree I think there have been people that I know who have gone through periods where they've really done the same thing as her and you know tried to numb that in different ways and when they've come through on the other side they've always said that you know, not necessarily they regret it, but that they learned that that is not the way to live life, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, like you said, it is hard and it is painful, but I think I may have even said this on the first one as well, but I really believe that those, the deeper the ache allows you for the higher, more full joy, you know? I think Mm -hmm. there's just contrast in everything unless you've experienced one extreme of the spectrum you don't have the capability or the capacity to experience the opposite which is just elation and joy and and true happiness and love you know and like you said grief is love so anyway I just I love that story and that whole concept obviously resonates with me a lot and I think it's a really important thing for people to to learn and and accept yes yeah anyway beautiful talk about you Okay, so my first one is called Cream Cheeses. And so this is a more like lighthearted, like short and sweet lesson. But as a mom, this one really stuck out to me. So it's this story of how she, you know, she's very involved at her kid's school. And she gets this email, mom, you're up. And like, I guess mom, like the moms would take turns bringing in breakfast, um, to like the athletic teams like in the mornings after their practice before school so she gets an email that she's in charge of breakfast and she's like okay great and then she gets another email from another mom saying basically to the extent of like hey so I know you're in charge of breakfast this week um but last time so they get bagels and cream cheese for breakfast She's like, last time there was only two options of cream cheese and some of the kids were really disappointed that they didn't get the, you know, types of cream cheese that they like. So I was thinking you could go to this other bagel shop that has at least five different flavors of cream cheese and then everybody would be happy. Um, And so she was, well, and then she talks about how, like, because they didn't like the cream cheese, they were forced to eat their bagels with, like, without cream cheese on it. And so she just talks about how this is, like, just kind of one of those funny things of, like, okay, you have to decide, like, am I going to be that kind of parent 
that like I guess you could say like spoils their kid because you're giving them the best of everything and you're not teaching them to you know that sometimes yeah you have to go without you're not always going to get what you want okay so then of course like she gave in and she decided to go to this bagel place and get all the cream cheeses to make sure everybody was happy and she says um what if we decided that successful parenting includes working to make sure that all kids have enough not just that particular kid assigned to us have everything what if we used our mothering love less like a laser burning holes into the children assigned to us and more like the sun making sure all our kids are warm Mm -hmm. and so I thought you know like that's an interesting that is something that like as a parent you have to decide kind of what your philosophy is on like there is this stigma with parents who give everything to their kids to make sure that they're comfortable and so Mm -hmm. it's this idea of like do you meet your kids needs because those are their needs and they deserve to have their needs met or do you just like stay with this old thinking of like oh giving your kids everything they need everything that makes them feel good and feel safe is like spoiling them or something so anyway it's just something to think about as a parent like what if we changed that memo and we were just focused on making sure that kids got what they needed? Yeah. Like, is that really so bad? Right. And obviously there's such a balance with, there's a difference between their physical and emotional needs being met and just like giving them everything they want all the time to a ridiculous extent, right? Like there are different things, but yes, I think the idea that like, children are children (laughs) and they Mm -hmm. they need a lot they need a lot of that so no that's that's a good story I like that a lot Mm -hmm. yeah okay okay the next one that you had so the next one the chapter is called ears and so it's about her two daughters and it's it's fun she describes her two daughters are polar opposites basically so her middle daughter Tish is in the previous episode we mentioned her but she's very empathetic like feels so much very cautious very thoughtful you know just really thinks about everything and sits with it and is kind of moody and a little less outgoing and maybe even less happy because just everything's really heavy and kind of weighs on her and then her youngest uh her name is Emma and she talks about she was the youngest and when Amma was born she was just so tired it she basically I think she said something like she was born and I gave her an iPad you know just kind of so anyway very independent very like gung-ho and just a little more um maybe what is the word I'm looking for impulsive kind of just yeah that more that type of anyway so her youngest daughter, Alma, says that she wants to get her ears pierced. And so she decides, yeah, okay, let's go to the piercing center. I'm I'm imagining a Claire's because that's where I went on mine <laughs> when <laughs> I was younger. Anyway, so she takes her two girls, Tish and Emma, and they get to this, the mall. And Emma runs ahead into the piercing shop. And by the time they get in there, she's sitting in the chair ready to go. And the the piercer is like is this your kid like you know Mm -hmm. she's like yeah sorry so anyway 
she says, okay, do you want to do both at the same time or one at a time? She's like, let's just do both. Like, let's go, let's do this. And she sits there and tenses all her muscles and is just being super brave and a rock star about it. And she pierces her ears and she's just like, woo, you know? And then the Christian says, okay, you know, it's your turn, honey, to tish. And she's sitting there and she looks at her mom and she's like, I don't think... I really want to do this. Like, I don't think I'm ready for this. And um, the worker is like, oh, come on, honey. Like your younger sister did it. You know, it'll be great. And kind of, you know, trying to encourage her, but kind of, you know, pressuring her to do yeah. it. Didn't she tell and, her to be brave? Yeah. Yeah. She, yes. Yeah. Thank you. She's like, be brave, you know. And uh, she, you know, sits there a little longer and yeah, she looks at her mom and she's like, you know, I... I, well, I don't want to, I think I'm not going to do it. And so they end up leaving the shop and, and, um, Glennon says she felt a little ashamed and I felt a lot annoyed. And she goes on to talk about the whole point of the story is the concept of bravery and basically that it can look different. So I'm just going to read. So she says, Brave does not mean feeling afraid and doing it anyway. Brave means living from the inside out. Brave means in every uncertain moment, turning inward, feeling for the knowing and speaking it out loud. And so she just talks about that bravery is being authentic to yourself. And sometimes that's going to look like bold and it's going to look like you're doing the hard thing and, you know, doing the scary thing. Maybe bravery is doing the scary thing that ever, no one else wants to do. And then sometimes it's saying no to what everyone else is doing. And she just, um, yeah, she says, sometimes being brave means letting everyone down but yourself. And, you know, I really can relate. To, <laughs> I can relate to that. I've been going through a lot of transitions in my life and um, some, some faith transitions some other things. And it's really hard to let other people down. It is, oof, yeah, it's really hard. Disappointing other people. And I think we've talked about this, but as women, you know, I think people pleasing is something that like was kind of drilled into us. And mm -hmm. for one, men too, like everyone wants approval. Everyone wants your parents' approval, your friends. You want people to be proud of you. And letting people down is really, really, really difficult and scary. And so I just loved... I love that, that theory, that concept of, you know, bravery is just being authentic to yourself, no matter what the consequences are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And that actually segues into this, this story really well. Um, it's called Islands. And um, it starts with this woman writing to her and saying how their um, daughter who was away at college like wrote them a letter and came out to them as gay and they were just like you know of course we want to support her but like we've got a lot of undoing to do like we are really worried and concerned and um, like how can we you know embrace her and also like work through you know what what we've got to you know untangle you know and so she talks about how when her and her wife um got together and Glennon was you know divorcing her husband and to be with this woman and 
just how she talks about how her own mom was very concerned because she, you know, she saw that a family was breaking up and she saw that, you know, it was, she was worried about how it was going to affect their kids. And Glennon admits like rightfully so this family was breaking and it was affecting their kids and they were having a hard time. But Glennon's concern was that her mother's fear would add to the kids like having a negative experience. Her mother was rightfully concerned. And as she was talking to Abby about this, Abby said, Glennon, I want us to think of our love as an island on our island. On our island is you, me, and the kids, and real love, the kind of love novels are written about and people spend lifetimes trying to find. Um, She talks about um, how we're happy here on our island. Let them scream fear or hate whatever. We can't even hear it. Too much music, only love in, babe. And she talks about how, you know, Abby and Glennon and the kids are going to be on this island. And all the fear and everything lives outside of this island. And they um, have this moat surrounding it. And that they have, they are in control of the drawbridge. They are in control of who they lower the drawbridge for. And they know that they don't want, they're not going to let people in who are carrying fear in their hands. They're not going to let fear onto their island. um, Because everything that exists on the island is all love and is all good and positive. And so um, she talks about how she's on the phone with her mom and she thinks about um, my mother loves me and she disagrees with me about what is best for me. I am going to have to decide who I trust more, my mother or myself. For the first time in my life, I decided to trust myself, even the thought, even though that meant moving in the opposite direction to my parents. I decided to please myself instead of my parents. I decided to become responsible for my own life, my own joy, my own family, and I decided to do it with love. That is when I became an adult. Um. Yeah, so I think it was just a good... Um, illustration like that metaphor of just like we all have our islands and we're all on these islands for different reasons like for her it was to protect this relationship with her wife you know others are on islands to protect their mental health we're on islands to keep us safe from people that hurt us we're on islands to you know get away from like institutions that no longer serve us like we're all on our islands for our own reasons but we all are in control of the drawbridge and who we're letting in, and just that, um, yeah, it is super hard to pull the drawbridge up when it means leaving out people who do love you, and you love them, and but you can see that they're carrying fear with them, and so it's not a forever thing. It's not, I'm never going to put my drawbridge down for you, but like right now, this has got to be up, because on our island, that is not welcome, and so yeah, yeah you just have to put the responsibility back in other people's hands to do their own work and you know you you can only do the same so yeah, yeah all about all about boundaries setting those boundaries and not yes. allowing other people to project their problems onto you mm-hmm. because 
she's saying, Abby's saying, this isn't a problem. This is a fairy tale, mm -hmm. you know, and we're not going to let people project their fear and negative feelings into us. And yes. you know, I like what you said, it doesn't have to be forever, but you have, yeah, you have to let people be accountable for doing their work if they want to be part of your island, you know, or mm -hmm. part of whatever space that looks like so yeah and I think yeah. another quote that she has in that chapter I'm having a hard time finding it right now but she basically said like I became a woman like I became a grown-up when I stopped mm -hmm. being an obedient daughter and that is so freaking hard like so freaking hard like we are yeah. we're so tied to our parents like we spend our entire childhood and adolescence just like trying to get their approval like not necessarily even on purpose that's just ingrained in our like dna and our you know just how we are as humans and so you know i think we've covered this before just like when you when it is time to become a true adult and a true grown-up you have to di differentiate from your parents and that does mean disappointing them sometimes but it's okay. Like two things can be yeah. true. They can be disappointed in you and you can be happy and you can, you know, make your own choices. And eventually, you know, if the relationship is there and is strong, that will be stronger than, you know, whatever disappointment or hurt there is there and healing will happen and you can let down that drawbridge mm -hmm. for, for those people. So yeah. 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 And some, yeah. And something that I, of the way I've tried to frame those difficult moments is you know I know that you disagree with me but I hope that you can if not now but at some point see and be proud of the fact that you've raised someone that trusts themselves and that knows and has the intuition to know that what I'm doing is what's best for me and even though this is difficult right now I really believe that you're going to see this as a strong, independent person that you've raised and helped, you know? And mm -hmm. I think that that's, the, you know, usually fear comes up because people don't understand what's going on. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, anyway, yeah. And then over time, you know, that those, that it's like a defense mechanism, I think a lot of the time. For so, sure. Yeah, no, that's, I like that. I like that analogy of the islands and the drawbridge. I think that's really a good way to kind of try and explain that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, right. so yeah, so the last one that I'm going to do, the chapter is called Terms. And so at this point, she's talking about she is, she's trying to decide if she's going to stay with her husband or leave her husband and Sorry, my dog is freaking out something. Can you hear that? Sorry. Mm -mm. Okay, good. Um, just trying to make this really difficult decision. And um, she's in love with Abby, but she actually doesn't even really know her that well. They, But she just, she just knows, right? And so she had met a few different friends through different authors that she'd met. And this one woman, her name is Liz, and they'd, uh, communicate over email and she just had this really felt very comfortable and had this close connection with her um anyway so she's really struggling she's not sleeping very well so one morning she wakes up really early it's like 5 30 in the morning 
just sitting out on her back her back patio just thinking um like what am I going to do I don't know what to do and in that moment she had this story that she had heard pop up into her mind and I'm just going to read it it's really quick so she says in that moment I was reminded of a story about a woman who had become stranded on top of an icy mountain she frantically prayed that God would rescue her before she froze to death she called to the heavens, if you exist, God, send help. A little while later, a helicopter circled above and dropped a ladder. No, the woman said, go away, I'm waiting for God. Then a park ranger walked by and asked, need some help, sister? No, go away, I'm waiting for God. The woman froze to death. She showed up at the gates of heaven, pissed and demanded, why God, why did you let me die? God said, honey, I sent a helicopter, I sent a park ranger. What the hell were you waiting for? And so she's sitting there thinking, and she realized that she had all these people who wanted to be there for her and wanted to help her and wanted to help counsel her and all these things, just basically realizing that she's asking for help. She doesn't know what to do. And it turns out that it just wasn't what she was looking for in the help, right? And um, I just it's just a funny story, but I think we do it all the time. I think we're always... I know for me, you don't want to bother people. You don't want to inconvenience people, you know. And sometimes, like, our friends, they love us. They want to be there for us, and usually they're the best resources, you know. Like, we have people all around us. And so I just I just like that story. I thought it was a cute little analogy of, of to make sure you're not Flying to what's around you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's a great story. I think it's a good, um, just reality check too, of just like so many of us wait for like the grandeur, like the big aha moment, or like you're waiting for, you know, that moment where you just like have the clarity, but then you miss all the like other little pathways you could have gone yeah. to get to the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's funny that she describes, you know, this woman waiting for God. And then when she finally gets to God, God's like, I sent this, I sent that, I sent, you know? And so it's like, we forget that the universe, God works through other people in our lives to reach us. And so I think that's important to not forget that like, yeah. we're all here to be God's hands. And so yeah. stop waiting for God because exactly. God is all around you. Yes. And sometimes, yeah. No, anyway, I just thought that was a fun one. Yes, that is a fun one. All right. So this one that I picked, um, it's a little bit heavier. It's well, it's it's in the chapter called Deliveries, but it has a section within the chapter called Grief. And it begins with her sister. Um, this was Glennon's, it was a big lesson for her in seeing other people's grief processes and how to be there for people you love when they're grieving. Um, so her sister had gone through a really horrible divorce and um, had had to leave and take her kids with her. And she um, moved into Glennon's house 
And she went in the basement and she locked herself in a room and Glennon could hear her sister like crying on the other side of the door, but she knew she couldn't go in there. Like she knew that how she phrases it is she was like, I knew that her grief was somewhere that I could not go with her. And so I sat on the other, other side of the door and I was there for her when she came out. And she talks about grief kind of being this cocoon phase, being that like goo phase kind of of the caterpillar, you know, turning to goo and staying in this cocoon to be reborn and then finally emerge. And just that grief, other people's grief, when we see people going through it, it's not a path we can walk with them because it's not ours. It's Mm -hmm. not the love that we experienced. It's not the love that we lost. And so you can only be there on the sidelines, watching and holding, sitting on the other side of the door. I love that like imagery, you know, just like if you think about like a friend or even like a child, like I just think about like my own kids as teenagers, like eventually they're going to need their time to process alone and they aren't going to want me in there with them because I can't understand what they're going through, but I can sit on the other side of the door and be there you know when they're ready to come out and come out of that cocoon and so and then she talks about her friend Liz again that you mentioned who had lost her partner and so she was grieving the loss of her partner and Glennon would send her text messages and just say I'm sitting outside your door just to let her know that I'm there for you and so I I think that was like some of the best advice of like how to be a good friend, how to be a good partner, how to be like what it really means to hold space for someone who's grieving. Like, again, just like your grief is somewhere I cannot go with you, but I'm outside your door there. I'm there for you. So I thought that was really beautiful. That's something that I've personally had to um, learn. Um, Like my husband, he gave me permission to share this. So I will talk about this, but his older brother um, was killed a few years ago. Um, Tragically, he was murdered. And um, it was so obviously so devastating. Um, But like I had to watch my husband grieve and his family. And I could not, I could not grieve like that. Like I loved his brother, of course, but he wasn't like my blood he wasn't my brother I didn't have the 30 years of experience of doing life with him and you know all of that like he wasn't a part of me the way that he was a part of my husband and his family and so I witnessed firsthand of how that was a grief that I could not like that was somewhere I could not go with him like I could not walk that with him but I was, I tried my best to be on the other side of the door for that. And and it's like, obviously it's still there. Like he still grieves, but um, yeah. So I, I found that chapter after um, we had kind of experienced that. And I thought that was like a really good way of phrasing, like how to be there for someone. I think that can be one of the hardest 
lessons to learn is how, yes, how to be there for someone who's grieving. And it's really hard. And some people really never figure out how to do it. You know, I think it's really natural to just want to fix it or want to have some profound thing to say to like pull them out. You know, I've had similar experiences with a grieving partner where you just, you don't know how to handle it. And it's so, it's so, cause it's so painful. And for me, I almost think you're like grieving their grief because it's so painful to watch them feel so horrible. And so you just want to like take that from them, you know? And so, yeah, I agree with you that I think that is such beautiful imagery of just, just being able to say, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Like my heart is here for you, you know, because it's, and honestly, I think that's one of the most difficult things. It's one of the hardest ways to handle that situation, but I think it's by far the most impactful and the, and the best for the person. Yeah, and I'm sure that Jake really appreciated you being able to just hold space for him in that way, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think that if you ask anybody who has grieved, like, the last thing you really need to hear from them, from someone else, like, is really advice on how to grieve or... And um, I've made that, like, I've made that mistake. Like, I've made that mistake of trying to, like, talk them through it, you know, and that, yeah. And it's just not the way. Yeah, no, grief comes in waves and you have to just ride, let them ride it. And, you know, so anyway, yeah. I just think that, I don't know. I I just picture myself going through something and just like how much would it mean to me if a friend texted me and instead of being like, let me know if you need, need anything, you know, it was just like, hey, I today I'm thinking of you and I am sitting outside your grief door like I'm here for you like wouldn't you feel so like seen and acknowledged like with that kind of like I don't know I just think there is a difference so yeah that's that's no there is I think that's yeah I think like I said until you've been in that situation with someone going through like that intense like just like horrible grief like you know the a death of a loved one or yeah. just things that are super traumatic and tragic like that like you just don't know how you're going to you know, I didn't prepare for that you don't think about you know so how impactful to be able to read that in a book and be like oh wow that's that's good to know yeah you know for when exactly. those situations arrive and even you know like that's something I'll, I'll take with me and think about in the future mm-hmm. for sure oh yeah well yeah this book um she just has a way of like teaching lessons that's so unlike other other people or other things I read in an Mm -hmm. entertaining way and so yeah like I said this is my first time reading through it but I definitely think this will be a book that I revisit more than once for sure oh for sure yeah yeah do you have any other thoughts anything else Um, you want to say I mean I recommend this book to everybody but um yeah yeah 
I'm with you with what you said. I think it's cool how vulnerable vulnerable she is because I think that if I had to guess, I think everyone reading it can definitely see a bit of themselves at least once or twice. But for me, it's just like in every story, I'm like, okay, I definitely can relate to that. I've had an experience that I feel ties into that, you know? So I mean, truly that there is something for everybody in this book. I, I almost picked this one, but there's a whole section on boys and how, yeah, you should touch on that. The messaging. Oh, let me see if I can find it. (laughs) Yeah, I did this whole. Oh, sorry. I dog-eared this whole chapter. I mean, really, it's so good. But like, so she talks a lot about her daughters in the book, right? But she. Yeah, okay. So the quote says. I stood and stared at the TV. I thought back on how I had prepared my girls from day one to fight for their humanity. I thought, (laughs) she says the (laughs) upward, I have a son too. I do not recall rocking my son to sleep with stories about tender men. I do not remember pointing to men passing by. I bet he's a poet, a teacher, a devoted father. When adult mentioned my son's sensitivity, I don't remember saying, isn't it great? His tenderness is his strength. When he went to school, I do not recall saying, you can be quiet, sad, merciful, small, vulnerable, loving, and kind out there in the world. You can be unsure of yourself and still be a boy. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. We all... Yes, I think just it's important to focus on the humanity of of all of us. You know, it doesn't have to be, we don't have to fall into certain gender norms or certain social things that are accepted socially for, you know, we just, we're all just unique in ourselves. And I think I think a society that's promoting discovering yourself instead of promoting trying to fit into a box would be so much healthier. I think there'd be so much less anxiety and depression and just fear and discomfort, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the society we live in. And I think if we could just focus more on like, how do you feel? Like, what do you want? You know, instead of, yeah, I don't know. I agree. I just keep thinking of the... um idea of like as far as like changing society and a lot of people say like oh parents you have this responsibility to teach the next generation and you know teach them to be true to themselves and teach them to like realize that they don't need to become something they just need to be themselves it's not just parents it's not just people having children Mm -hmm. we all have to be a parent to our inner child And so, yeah, yeah, like once you become an adult, you become that parent to your inner child and you can give them what they didn't get as a child. And so, yeah, I think it's just the work of humanity to every parent who is influencing a child, every person who is parenting their, reparenting their inner child, it really is so much less of 
how can we like you know in that cream cheeses um chapter how can we be less laser focused on forming you into what we would need you to be and more focused on let's all just everyone every soul stand in the sun and be and just be warmed by it and be warmed by our humanity and um look around and see that sun shining on every individual's face and just see you know the beauty in them well that was gorgeous that's the goal (laughs) thank you no I love that facilitating self-discovery and authenticity and yeah beautiful beautiful yes I love the imagery of that (laughs) yeah yep it's truly I mean we are we are all under the same sun yeah yeah yes all right well that is our take on untamed by glennon doyle and we you know of course recommend it to all and we hope you guys enjoyed this one yes thanks you guys thanks for tuning in we love you okay we'll see you next week okay see you next week bye bye Mm -hmm.